You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode of Locked On Wolves is brought to us by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Happy Tuesday, everybody. This is the post-game podcast. We're talking all things Wolves-Grizzlies from the Monday night debacle in Memphis. Uh, I, I mean, if you're a regular listen, listener to the show, you know that my thing is uh, I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to underreact. We're not going to say, hey, this is the end. This is this is the season's over. We're not going to say, oh, yeah, this team's going to make the playoffs and avoid the plan. You know, there's a lot of room there in the middle, but the hot takiness of of everything in sports media is like, let's, let's have a firm stance on this. And, and I think that that's, that's actually one of the lazier things you can do in a lot of cases. This It's really hard to not be hot takey after a game like this. It's hard to not be hot takey if you've watched the Timberwolves for years on years and years. Um, this is uh this is a game that it feels appropriate to, to react to maybe not overreact to, because I guess by definition, then, uh, it's, that's not appropriate if you're overreacting, but I think we can have a reaction to this one. Um, and like, I don't know. I, I, I anticipated fumbling a little bit for words after watching this game, but I'm going to do my best to kind of, I want to start with the, with the kind of the game flow as we typically do. I don't want to get too much into the minute by minute, blow by blow. If you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube, you probably already, you probably watched the game. So I'm not going to give it, give you play by play, but a few observations that I noticed down the stretch in the fourth quarter and overtime. Um, and also if you missed the game, if you didn't see it, I'll try and give you a sense for how it went down. Although if you're a Timberwolves fan and you missed the game, you probably have a pretty good idea, but this was actually super entertaining. It was a fun game minus the outcome. And of course the double digit fourth quarter collapse that uh, I guess, I mean, again, Timberwolves fans are mostly used to. So we're going to do all that on the show. We'll do individual studs and duds, key takeaways, all that good stuff as we always do. First of all, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, Lockdown Wolves is free and available on all platforms that includes YouTube. Again, this is another one of those. I said this after the Magic game, I think, last week. Uh, if you if you're not already following or subscribed on YouTube, this is this is probably a good facial expression podcast. I, I can feel my face already showing my displeasure uh, where my words maybe aren't doing as good of a job. Um, so be sure you're following or subscribed on YouTube as well as all the audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, Odyssey. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay. So the game flow in this one, we'll do this quick. The Timberwolves and Grizzlies, it, there wasn't actually, the first quarter, there wasn't there was a lot of offense and it wasn't necessarily bad defense. I think both teams were playing hard. They were both making tough shots. This was a 34-34 game after the first quarter. The Wolves really struggled with offensive execution in the second. It kind of felt like the game was going to slip away. And then they had a couple of moments kind of mid-second quarter to really stem the tide. D'Angelo Russell started playing really well. And uh, this was a four-point Grizzlies lead at halftime. But the Wolves dominated the third quarter to the tune of 38-23. to They shot 67% um, in the third quarter. And uh, and took a what was it a nine point lead I think going to the fourth or excuse me no uh, it was an eleven point lead going to the fourth quarter for the Wolves um, and Memphis mixed in a few different you know 
looks during the game in terms of the rotation. Brandon Clark, who I talked about apparently idiotically on Monday's show as somebody out of the rotation for the Grizzlies. And now all of a sudden he plays 24 minutes, drops 20 and nine in 24 minutes on the Wolves, has a couple of massive key offensive rebounds, five of his nine rebounds, offensive rebounds in this game. And uh, I also talked on Monday's show, by the way, that he would be a phenomenal fit next to Carl Anthony Towns. And I joked on Twitter after the game, maybe, just maybe, the Grizzlies decided to showcase Brandon Clark to the Wolves to try and get them to overpay to trade for him. That's not happening. But that's, I mean, that's my dream, right? I mean, Clark and Carl Anthony Towns would be a fantastic pairing in the front court. But at any rate, Clark got into the rotation for the Grizzlies, and uh, he was he was a monster on the glass, especially. Uh, the Timberwolves, uh, Chris Finch had gone to Josh and Kogi, backtracking a little in the second quarter, was the 10th player to see the floor for the Wolves. They had already used nine. Torian Prince had already been in the game. And uh, instead of Jordan McLaughlin getting run, Josh Akogi got run and provided some much-needed energy in the second quarter, had a, a big offensive rebound right after he came to the game, scored a layup in the open floor, uh, drew an offensive foul a couple possessions later, and then Brandon Clark kind of combated Akogi's energy. He did the same thing for the Grizzlies, only obviously much more effectively when it was all said and done. Um, and I, I mean that kind of really nullified the impact that Akogi had on the game, which I thought was a pretty astute sub by Chris Finch, knowing the Wolves needed some energy injected midway through kind of a sluggish second quarter. Minnesota only scored 20 points in the second. And uh, I thought the Akogi sub was great, but then Brandon Clark, again, uh, really kind of nullified everything that Akogi brought. The third quarter, that offensive outburst for the Wolves, they scored 38 in the third frame. D'Angelo Russell was a huge part of that and uh, really came alive, hit some, it's a big shots. I mean, Memphis was clearly targeting him on the other end of the floor, going at him as they should on offense, meaning D'Lo playing defense. D'Lo mostly held his own for that stretch and then came back on the other end. And I don't know if it's because he realized what they were doing and decided to go off offensively, but hit a couple of tough threes, hit a couple of, uh, of mid-range jumpers, you know, kind of those rainbow turnaround fadeaway jumpers that he killed the Wolves with when he was with Golden State when he scored 50 plus a couple of years ago. Um, and it was it was vintage D'Lo offense in a good way uh, in the third quarter. And then all of a sudden, right as the Wolves were kind of building this double-digit lead, there was some foul trouble. Anthony Edwards got called for kind of a crazy third foul. It was it was uh, an offensive foul that shouldn't have been called. Um, and but But that's when Chris Finch, around that time, he went back to the big lineup. And I want to talk a lot more about this in the second segment, so I'll come back to it. But Nas Reed at the four, Carl Anthony Towns at the five, and that... That big lineup was fantastic. The the Wolves started to run some more offense. Part of, part of this is with Ant off the floor, which is not so coincidentally. We'll talk more about that later too. But some horn sets with uh, Anthony Edwards and uh, and Carl Anthony Towns, Angel Russell, and then when Ant was off the floor, they still ran those sets a little bit with Josh Kogi at the elbow with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell running the point, um, and some with Patrick Beverly as well. And then at the end of the third. Uh, the Timberwolves missed, I think it was Nas missed a layup in the open floor that was would have been like with the second and a half left. Towns was running the floor behind him, followed up with a buzzer beater, reverse layup put back to put the Wolves up by 11 going to the fourth. It was a fantastic play. That's when it kind of felt like, okay, the Wolves shot 67% in the third. They get this buzzer beater. They're up 11. This, this should be their game. They extend their lead to 16 at about the seven and a half minute mark in the fourth quarter. And then it's still 14 after a, or 13 after Jaden McDaniels monster dunk on a beautiful pass from Patrick Beverly. Uh, McDaniels is driving baseline or, or cutting baseline, I should say, gets the drop off pass, gets the dunk and the harm, misses the free throw. But the Wolves are up 13 with with 445 left or so in the game. And then it completely falls apart for the Timberwolves. Uh, the Grizzlies go on a, 
an 18 to two, yeah, 18 to two run over six minutes from roughly the, that, uh, kind of seven and a half minute mark until about the final minute of the game, 18 to two run from that point, the wolves went scoreless on eight of nine possessions during that stretch. And despite being up 16 minutes through the quarter, 13 with under five minutes to play, this thing comes down to the final couple of possessions and the wolves are down five. I mean, John Morant got what he wanted at the end of the game. He beat Carl Anthony Towns on the switch, or excuse me, he beat Jaden McDaniels around the corner, got to the cup and had a massive dunk to put, uh, to put the Grizzlies up in the final couple of minutes. And then, um, I, I'm going to pull up the exact sequence here. because I want to make sure I get it right. And then after that, he hits a three pointer to extend this to a, to a five point lead. Um, or excuse me, that was, sorry, the three pointer, the dunk was to tie the game, the three pointer, the next possession after Carl Anthony Towns was called for traveling in the lane. It was the right call. He traveled, uh, Morant had the dunk Towns travels with 32 seconds left. Brant hits a step back three to put the Grizzlies up three D'Lo gets fouled on the other end, makes both free throws. And then the Grizzlies get called for the eight second, uh, backcourt violation after credit the Timberwolves coaching staff for knowing that there were exactly 24 seconds left on, on the game clock, which means the shot clock was off. The ball goes out of bounds with exactly 16 seconds left in the game, which means it had to have been an, an eight second violation. They were about to inbound the ball and the Wolves bench would not shut up about it needing to be an eight second violation. They stop the game. They, they get it right. They call the eight seconds. D'Lo gets a shot blocked uh, by Jaron Jackson Jr. It's called a goaltend, then reversed upon review, called not called a good block. It was right at the point of controversy, as Jim Peterson would say on Valley Sports North. Um, I, it really could have gone either way, but they overturned it. They called it a, a good block. Timberwolves get the ball back, um, and then they get called for a five-second violation on the inbound play. After they, excuse me, the jump ball happens at center court after the after the overturn on the goaltend, right? Then the ball goes out of bounds off the jump ball. 3.9 seconds left. The Wolves get sideline out of bounds. Down one, they get called for a five-second violation on the inbound play, which is just, that's a whole other topic. It was a disaster. Their Timberwolves basically were playing one-on-two, trying to, Patrick Beverly was inbounding. Remember, he had two turnovers inbounding the ball at the end of a close game against the Clippers last week. He couldn't get the ball inbounds. D'Lo couldn't shake free from two defenders. The other three Timberwolves players were all in the far corner of the floor trying to run some sort of back pick to get somebody open, but the Grizzlies were switching everything and the Wolves just couldn't free anybody up. It was just a a horrendous, if you go back and watch the replay, there's actually a really funny replay from the Grizzlies TV feed that was floating around on Twitter where you, because of the camera angle above the basket, you can't see the other players. So it looks like there's nobody else on the floor and the Timberwolves just completely failed to get the ball inbounds. They still uh, are able to follow John Morant then on the ensuing Grizzlies inbound play. He makes both free throws. So now the Wolves are down three. They can't advance the ball with the timeout. They inbound the ball. The Grizzlies tip it out of bounds. The Wolves get one more inbound play on their side of the floor with just over a second left, which uh, we could, I mean, we could rehash. I could spend the whole podcast talking about the last minute of this game because there were a couple of opportunities in there. The Grizzlies had two timeouts in their pocket and they don't call a timeout, which made no sense at all. Taylor Jenkins made a big mistake there. First on the eight second violation. Um, that was actually the really big one. He had two timeouts, didn't use one to advance the ball. So the Wolves get to inbound on in the front court with 1.1 seconds left. Towns off a great inbounds pass from Nas Reid, who was inserted into the game along with Malik Beasley. Patrick Beverly went to the bench, which I thought was an interesting decision by Chris Finch. Turned out to be the right thing to do. Nas had two nice inbounds there at the end of the game. He kind of rainbows a pass to Towns. Towns hits a 39-footer, uh, banks it in from, from the deep right wing to send the game to overtime. Um, and then in overtime, there's really not much to say about the overtime period. It, it was close. I mean, the Grizzlies scored the first four. The Timberwolves came back and tied it. 
But then after it was tied at 117 with two minutes left on a D'Lo shot, uh, D'Anthony Melton hit a big shot. Brandon Clark had the massive offensive rebound to make it a two-possession game with just over a minute left. Then Edwards gets fouled, splits the two free throws, and it was basically over at that point. Um, as, again, the Grizzlies came down, got another Brandon Clark offensive rebound, and made shots. So two consecutive possessions in overtime. Stretching the game from one possession to two, Brandon Clark uh, does it for the Grizzlies with an offensive rebound and a made shot. Um, and then the Wolves lost by seven. That's uh, That was... <laughs> The, honestly, I could probably talk for 45 minutes about the final one minute of regulation. It was just insane and a ton of fun to watch. I mean, if you're a fan of basketball, if you're not a Timberwolves fan, I mean, if you are, I mean, it was it was so much fun to watch. Uh, but the overtime was maybe all too predictable for Timberwolves fans. I want to talk about key takeaways from this game. Uh, what we can pull out of this, that it, it really be honest and frank about like, what does this mean about the Timberwolves? What does this loss mean if you're a Timberwolves fan and, and what could we take away um, so I'm going to do my best to kind of parse that here next. First, though, let's talk about our new friends at Truebill. Do you know why free trials were new without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands of a year. Again, truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Let's also talk about prize picks. All right, NBA fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. If you have not checked it out yet, you're missing out. I'm telling you, you are going to love this app. Prize picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown if you're playing football. All of your users that deposit and use the promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. If they use promo code NBA, again, promo code NBA, you get 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You'll pick two to five players and over under on the projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. For instance, Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries. You could take the over on Carl Anthony Towns uh, points combined with the under on Kirk Cousins passing yards in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Again, don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use promo code NBA or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it and I know you will too. Okay, let's try and do takeaways. Um, this is going to be tricky. Let's let's start with a positive. The third quarter offense that the Timberwolves rolled out, that Chris Finch got them to run, was fantastic. The Wolves scored, what, 38, I believe? Uh, yeah, 38 in the third quarter. Um, and it, it actually kind of looked like a well-oiled machine. And, and we have to take the positives where they come. We're talking, yeah, a good chunk of the first quarter, a little bit of the second, and basically the whole third quarter that, that the offense actually looked pretty good in this game. Um, so... 
the thing I like the most is, well, two things I've actually talked about quite a bit on this show. I actually spent a lot of the offseason and the preseason, or, or really the weeks leading into the regular season, not specific to preseason games at all, um, talking about how I like that Chris Finch likes to play big lineups, right? Ryan Saunders loved to play small. And we don't know how much that was Ryan Saunders versus Gerson Rosas. It really seemed to be a Saunders thing, especially how much Chris Finch started playing big after he took over when Rosas was obviously obviously still in front of, in charge of the front office. But Saunders never played Nas Reed and Carl Anthony Towns together. I think maybe once for a couple of minutes he ever did that in the course of Saunders' tenure as head coach. And Chris Finch did it almost immediately. Remember, he would play Nas at the four. He slid Jade McDaniels to the three, which he'd never done. He played. Uh, he never played Jared Vanderbilt at the five, which Saunders had started trying to do. He also played Juancho Hernan Gomez at the three. So I anticipated Chris Finch to try and play big a lot more often than he has early this season. It just hasn't happened very much. I also thought he'd run a lot more of the, and obviously they have multiple, multiple set. Well, I say the Wolves have multiple sets to get into offensively. Haven't really showed that yet this year. And Chris Finch admitted early in the season that they spent almost all of training camp working on defense. But those horn sets, those uh, th- there's a variety of different things that come out of the horns action, right? Where the Wolves put guys essentially at the at the free throw line or at the elbows, I should say, uh, free throw line extended sometimes to run basically a horn set. They they flatten out two guys in the corner, have two guys on the elbows, and the point guard up top. So uh, essentially. I mean, yeah, it it basically is a horn set that you can run a number of things out of. And we saw this a lot last year with Ricky Rubio, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns. We saw it when D'Lo got healthy. The Wolves tried this with D'Lo, Rubio, and Towns, but they even did it with Josh Kogi because putting a Kogi at the elbow actually works okay. He's a good screener. He's a pretty good cutter. He's athletic. He's not outside the arc trying to space, and so he's not hurting you in that way. And I thought that was a clever way to kind of hide Josh Okogie in offense. We haven't really seen that much, although we did a little bit in the third quarter in this game. So the big lineups and horn sets are things we didn't see much of over the first six, seven games of the season. We saw a lot of it in the third quarter, a lot of both of those things. And Nas Reed actually, uh, Finch came back with Nas in the fourth quarter with Towns quite a bit more as well. And uh, again, we'll, we'll talk individual studs and duds. And, and there's obviously plenty of noise when it comes to single game individual plus minus, but Nas by far had the Timberwolves best plus minus on the team, a plus 15 in just 14 minutes. Nobody else had better than a plus eight. In fact, the Timberwolves only had two players with positive plus minuses in this game, by the way, Josh Okogie and Nas Reed. Not at all suggesting they were the two best players on the floor for the Wolves, so don't don't get that twisted. But Nas Reed was really good in this game, and the Nas plus Towns minutes in the front court were really, really solid. Um, so we saw a lot more horn sets in the third quarter, kind of running into middle pick and rolls, um, dribble handoffs. There were a couple of nice, there was uh, one play in particular where the Wolves ran it into a pick and roll. D'Angelo Russell drove left and the low man for the Grizzlies was guarding, I think it was Jade McDaniels in, in the bottom corner, in the right corner. And he stepped up to stop the D'Lo, try and contain the D'Lo drive. And D'Lo just slung it to the right corner for a wide open three pointer. It might've been Malik Beasley, actually. It was either McDaniels or Beasley. And uh, it was a wide open corner three. That's the sort of thing we saw late last year from Rubio, from D'Angelo Russell in those sets. And if it's Anthony Edwards, he's obviously more likely to get downhill and just attack, which is another issue we'll talk about here in a minute. But at least with D'Lo, you wonder, is he going to score? Is he going to pull up and shoot a jumper? Is he going to pass it? Um, And you have to respect his passing ability. And those sets are fantastic. I'd like to see exactly what their points per possession was ran out of horn sets. I, I should go back and, and, and kind of log that because those, those sets provide so many different options out of them. And it's just a, I mean, if it feels like if they don't get into those sets, they're running side pick and rolls or they're simply doing, you know, running isolation 
towards the end of games. And those are major issues. Uh, they just aren't getting into anything. And at least if you start in horns, you're getting some action going where you're involving at least three of the five players on the floor and the other guys are spacing and hopefully they're good shooters. Um, in most cases they are, if you're running horns in the middle of the floor and there's a lot to like about that action and, and it worked in the third quarter in this game. So the big lineups, the Nas plus Towns minutes, we're going to talk a lot more about that moving forward because I, just, I love it. Uh, we talked lineups last week, some different lineup combinations late. I think it was Friday's show, maybe last week. Um, and the Nas Towns minutes, you know, the Vando minutes, those are all really good when you've got a, 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 a big next to Towns who can do, you know, multiple things uh, like rebound and play defense. Um, and in the case of Nas, at least shoot the ball a little bit. It's definitely been a positive. Um, another key takeaway, the rotation I thought was really intriguing in this game. We saw Malik Beasley play more minutes with the starters, especially down the stretch. He had a decent game. He was 0-5 outside the arc, but was active and at least felt like he was in the flow of the game a little bit more than he was earlier this season. Obviously not a great game for him, but we saw him play more with the starters. We saw the Josh Kogi energy minutes in the second quarter. And then late in the game, he got into it a little bit, got onto the floor, got out and guarded John Brandt a little bit down the stretch and did okay. Uh, we did not see any Jordan McLaughlin minutes. We did not see uh, any Jalen Noel minutes. Um, and very little Torian Prince. Torian Prince got some first half run and was not good. Uh, played six minutes, missed his only shot. I think it was a mid-range jump or two. The ball, he had a little bit, his hands were a little bit sticky. It seemed like he wasn't swinging the ball. He was kind of dribbling and, and driving a little bit more than you want to see from Torian Prince. Just does not look comfortable at all. He did not play in the second half of this game. Those minutes were taken by Josh Akogi and uh, also just by the Timberwolves playing bigger. So I thought that was notable. No Jordan McLaughlin, no Jalen Noel, who had been in the rotation against the Clippers. Um, neither one of them played. The question for me that I want to dive into a little bit more on Tuesday, or excuse me, Wednesday's show this week, how do the Timberwolves keep the ball from stopping? Um, down the stretch in this game, it wasn't simply that they clammed up when the lead started to get to shrink in crunch time, which they did. They did do, but it was a 16-point lead. You don't need to clam up when it's 16, 14, 13, 12. You don't need to clam up when it's a double-digit lead with five, six, seven minutes left in the game. So why are they ball-stopping? A lot of the time it's Anthony Edwards. Uh, he wants to go isolation. He wants to to, to get a pick and and uh, you know just get downhill, which I understand. But if you go back and watch, there were multiple possessions where he would get into the paint and be surrounded by four or five Grizzlies players, have open shooters at almost every location around the arc, or even a cutter, you know, diving baseline that he could drop the ball off to. And he just gets complete tunnel vision. And uh, early this season, we lauded on this program, I, I lauded Edwards' ability to kind of see the next couple of steps, which he wasn't doing last year. In this game, at least, uh, the last couple games, and I'm sure it's a function of pressing, it's a function of, he said this post-game after the Clippers loss on Friday, he's the only one going to the basket. And I don't know if he meant it as a dig to his teammates or or just in, you know, he says what's on his mind. It's Anthony Edwards, right? That's what he does. But he really is, outside of Towns, he's the only guy that's truly consistently going to the basket. And he's so one-track mind focused on, I'm going to score the basketball he's not looking for cutters. He's not looking for shooters outside the arc enough. Um, and that was an issue in this game as the defense collapses on Anthony Edwards, who's wanting to go isolation, getting a screen and, and, want, and wanting to, to just get downhill and not looking to pass the ball. How do the Wolves keep, how does Chris Finch keep Anthony Edwards from being a complete ball stopper? D'Angelo Russell was guilty of this as well, 
but at least he was mostly making his shots in this game, right? I mean, D'Lo ended up being, what, uh, 10 to 22 for the game, 6 to 13 on threes, got to the line a little bit, only turned it over a couple of times. Um, D'Lo was good in this game. And when he's good, D'Lo, when he's making shots, you don't mind if he takes some of those semi-contested shots because he can make them. And you come out of the game, he shoots almost 50% from three, 50% from the field, seven assists to two turnovers. I'm not going to complain about about D'Angelo Russell's game. Uh, you know, a couple of heat checks here and there, but how many times does Anthony Edwards shoot what's essentially a heat check jumper when he isn't hot? And he does that quite a bit, right? So I'm not going to drag D'Lo for making shots, um, for taking and making them. Anthony Edwards is the one who was the, the true ball stopper in this game. And uh, again, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns ends up third on the team in shots attempted. He's third on the team in usage rate. He's been third in field goal attempts most games, at least when D'Lo is healthy. It's not, that's not what the Wolves want. You can't have Carl Anthony Towns third on your team in field goal attempts. It's not a recipe to win. Um, there's just this lack of urgency down the stretch where it's like, ah, we'll play ISO. We'll make a shot eventually. But they had multiple possessions in a row where they didn't even get a shot off because they turned the ball over. Um, and it's just that flow. It's again, it's not necessarily the crunch time execution. They haven't been awful in crunch time. They showed that again in this game. They functioned well enough outside of the five second call and the out of bounds play to get, to get the ball up at the rim to, to when the game was actually close in the closing minutes. Right. But it was leading into that where they just kind of, you know, they, they just lack the urgency. They start to tighten up a little bit. They start to to clench, they start to think like, oh no, this thing's going to get away from us. And then when it does, it's almost like they can settle down and, and be somewhat functional offensively and, and compete defensively. And and the rebounding thing was another, was an issue obviously with the Brandon Clark offensive rebounds, but it's a mentality like middle to late fourth quarter that they just, it's like a, it's the same mentality, unfortunately, that Timberwolves Twitter has, that the Timberwolves fan base has. Here we go again. We've been watching this for two decades uh, for the better part of franchise history, but for two decades, one playoff appearance in the last 17 years, of course the Timberwolves are going to collapse in the fourth quarter. Of course they're going to give away a double-digit fourth quarter lead. It kind of feels like the team now believes that too. And uh, I don't know how they break out of this cycle. I don't know if Towns can find a way to do that. I, you know, It's crazy because like on the one hand, yes, it's a mentality. On the other hand, I don't know. All, all you need to do is is not get that five second call. And I guess that wasn't what ended up doing it for them. But, you know, one possession here or there, I mean, if they handled it a little bit differently, then we're talking about, hey, this was an impressive win. Like, yeah, they gave away the lead, but they fought back and they kept it, whatever. I mean, it's just, that's why I think it's really dangerous to overreact because it could be a player or two here or there. The problem is, is that this happened so consistently that uh, it's very easy to to uh, to react um I guess maybe overreact to a game like this, right? All right. I want to close today by doing individual studs and duds uh, where, you know, who, who played best individually for the Timberwolves, who struggled individually for the Timberwolves. We're going to do that next. First though, let's talk about rockauto.com. This episode is brought to us by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your chain local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and 
in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Okay, let's talk individual studs and duds. Um, number one for the Timberwolves has to be Carl Anthony Towns. Yes, there were a couple of plays down the stretch that, you know, the traveling call was, or the traveling when he, when he traveled, I mean, he did travel. So it wasn't just the call. It was the action of him traveling, uh, in between those big John Rant shots at the end of regulation was really bad. There were a couple of other plays that he just, you know, didn't make the easy play. But he finished 25 and 13, three assists, two blocks of steal, and had the game tying three pointer to send the game to overtime. Nine at 20 shooting. You'd love him to get more than five free throw attempts. You'd love him to shoot a little better than three of nine outside the arc. But grand scheme of things, this was a good game from Cat. And uh, I thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, Steven Adams wasn't really a major factor in this game, which was interesting. And I think it was a lot to do with the Timberwolves being willing to go with two bigs and spread the floor with a couple of bigs that can shoot threes, obviously in Townsend, Nas Reed. So that played into it a little bit. Um, But Adams was not really a factor uh, in this game. And he's traditionally played well against the Wolves, although Towns hasn't necessarily had much of a problem with him in a one-on-one setting. Um, But a good game from Cat overall. Uh, second stud for me has to be D'Angelo Russell, 30 points at 10 to 22 shooting six of 13 outside the arc. So just a shade under 50%, both overall and from deep. Um, he was four of nine on two point attempts, four of four from the free throw line, seven assists, five rebounds, a steal and a block, only two turnovers in this game. And, uh, he had that almost goaltender, what was initially ruled a goaltend towards the end of regulation that would have given the Wolves a one point lead with just a few seconds, six or so seconds left of the game. That was a solid take by him. Uh, the, the, the Grizzlies were not expecting him to split the defense and go to the rim. Dilo doesn't drive that often, right? He typically likes to pull up for a jumper, or shoot a deep three, or he'll pass it in a pick and roll situation. But he got all the way to the basket. And you'd like to see him go maybe a little bit stronger and get it up on the glass instead of essentially shooting a floater from, you know, five feet away, which basically like a, I mean, it was, it was essentially a floater um, to allow it to get blocked. If he gets it on the glass, it's on that side of the rim, right? He's on, he was on the left side of the rim. Jaron Jackson Jr. is coming from the right side. If he gets it up on the glass, it's either a goaltend because the ball's up off the backboard first or or D'Lo can use the rim to protect the shot. He doesn't do that. He floats it up there. Jackson blocks it. Um, Not to take away from D'Lo's game. He had a good game. The Wolves aren't in overtime in this game if it's not for D'Lo. They never would have built the double-digit lead in the first place. A ton of that was his play in the third quarter. Great to see him bounce back after missing both Clippers games and the second half of the Magic game with the sprained ankle. And uh, really encouraging to see him. He played 41 minutes in this one, which is a little bit of a surprise after he missed the last couple games. But great game from D'Lo. My third stud in this one, this was a little tricky. I'm going to go with Nas Reed. He only played 14 minutes, which was actually the third least minute of third least minutes played of the 10 Timberwolves players who played in this game, but he was really good when he was on the floor. I mentioned earlier, he had a team best plus 15 in the plus minus column, eight points, five rebounds in 14 minutes, two of four shooting, nailed both of his three point attempts, both right corner threes, both at big moments when the Wolves were building their lead. 
and they were playing the right way offensively. It was good to see them as a team get rewarded for playing the right way offensively and also Nas be rewarded for continuing to stick with it. His three-point shot really wasn't falling late last year or the first couple games this year, first few games this year, but it's come on a little bit of late and he played really well. Again, eight points, five rebounds, one assist and a block, no turnovers in 14 minutes, plus 15 uh, plus minus for Nas Reed. Really, really good minutes, uh, mostly next to Towns. Uh, Towns only sat... I guess, including overtime, I guess he did sit 10 minutes. Um, so maybe the the minutes with Towns were maybe a little bit, uh, the, the minutes with Towns off the floor, Nas was still solid. But again, the minutes with Towns were fantastic in this game. Duds, Anthony Edwards gets a dud. I'm sorry. Maybe it's a little controversial. He was nine at 22. Well, you know, it's not bad. We'll take that. Four of nine outside the arc. Uh, obviously very good mark there. Four turnovers to just three assists in 43 minutes. Ball stopping in the second half. Some bad decisions down the stretch. A couple of poor decisions shooting the ball. Um, and uh, just not Anthony Edwards' best game. Again, not the end-all, be-all. He did have the worst plus-minus on the team, a minus 16. Um, I mean, the Wolves will generally take 27 points, five rebounds, three assists, three steals from Ant, and, and nearly 50% from three any night of the week. But the four turnovers, the shot selection late, the ball stopping... Um, some of the defensive issues, those were all problems in this one for Ant. And uh, he just, it wasn't his best game. Exciting player, obviously. <laughs> this is one game. Uh, don't get too worked up about this if, if you don't like him being a dud. But a lot of the offensive issues can be directed back towards him in the fourth quarter and also a little bit in overtime. But Anthony Edwards really, really struggled in this one. I'm going to also give Torian Prince a dud. Only six minutes, but another bad game. He just looked completely lost. No points, 0-1 shooting in six minutes. And uh, just wasn't good when he was on the floor. All right, that's it. We can flush this one. The Wolves move on to the West Coast now this week. Three games in California, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, they start with Golden State Wednesday. Golden State is practically unstoppable. By the way, this Memphis Grizzlies team is the only team that's beaten the Warriors so far this season. They beat them in overtime in Golden State a couple of weeks ago. Um, so this should be fun. Uh, it's obviously going to be a difficult game for the Wolves, but they should be at full strength Wednesday. We'll talk about the game. We'll preview it on Wednesday's show as well as dive into some more lineup data through the first, uh, what are we now, nine games into the season. So that's all coming up on Wednesday. A quick reminder to follow the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all new Odyssey app. We're also uh, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube now. So thank you for making Locked on Wolves your first listen each and every day. Uh, and uh, again, any of those platforms, YouTube, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Thanks once again for listening to the show. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.